It's 1998. The sun is going down on a Las Vegas suburban neighborhood. The roads are smooth and new, and so are the stucco houses that, for some reason, only come in different shades of tan. My dad just came back from picking up his YZ400, bought from a guy who lived on two strokes and felt the bike had just too much power. My father, however, had been a man of the desert, racing massive, deep-throated Hondas hundreds of miles through ten feet of silt and the visibility of a hockey puck on a 90s TV. So the thought of a lighter, more aggressive style four-stroke was enough for him to buy a bike with intention of maybe one day racing again. My dad fired it up and revved it to make sure the neighbors knew what was going on, which they did, and with the entire neighborhood watching, he went out and wheelied the bike down the road, then put the wheel down, along with his head. He hobbled his way back to the garage, laughing with the neighbor's jokes, jovial as a mall Santa, that had slid across the asphalt at 30 miles an hour. He rolled the bike into the garage and told me to close it quick. Once the door was closed, he dropped on the ground. And the 400? Well, I think that sat until the YZ-426 came out. In 1997, four-strokes were fun bikes. Bike you taught your mom how to ride. They were slow, predictable, and you could run them over with a bulldozer, and the poor bulldozer would be out for months. This left the screaming two-strokes to take the track and hold the torch of what a bike was capable. I'm not just talking about the agro-dirt demons racing off-road, but also the ravine Hannibal Lecter types who charge the grid of MotoGP. For years, the standard was kept, and people loved it. But a dark cloud formed over the stagnant system of two-wheeled motorsports. The cloud was named California. With a large margin of the sales coming from California, they wanted to get ahead of the emissions laws that were being rolled around in the state legislature. Yamaha had a plan, which was to hand the YZ division to the mad scientists of the Motorsport Development Program, who were in the midst of developing a few MotoGP bikes and a deafening Monster V10 and the Aero's Formula One machine. Being part of the motorsports development program meant Yamaha wanted a new four-stroke on the track as soon as possible. Being part of the motorsports development program meant that Yamaha wanted a new four-stroke on the track as soon as possible, while the YZ needed to create a production model that could get them paid. The big man at Yamaha met with the AMA, and voiced their concern of the growing change in environmental awareness, and a new kind of bike would need its place in racing. The AMA agreed and signed a rule that a company can run a prototype bike for a season. With the green light from the AMA, Yamaha was set out to make their prototype and put it in the hands of a person called Masakazu Shiohara, 
Shio Hara and his team had spent their entire careers creating two-stroke superbikes. Lack of experience created a kind of round peg into a square hole type of thinking. And it worked. The idea was to take the chassis of the YZ250, a bike that had already proved itself in Supercross, and fit a four-stroke motor in it. So, they plopped a TTR250 motor, and poof, the perfect bike. Except, the bike had become a gutless anvil. So the team was stuck with what was the moto equivalent of the reason we don't listen to techno remixes. Then, sitting around their office, quietly, sternly, with no excitement and only shame, an engineer by the name of Kenji Tamura remembered that there were street bikes that weren't two-strokes. He stole the head off a YZF-750R, hacked off the extra bits, fit it to a TTR bottom, filled the gaps with some JB weld, and ran the motor on a dyno. The bike was now more powerful than a YZ125, and the team could finally build a bike. The team began to develop a motor using the 1.6 multiple, which was the math that a two-stroke had 1.6 times the power of a four-stroke because it was as if the two-stroke was huffing glue out of a paper bag and the four-stroke was sniffing a large Sharpie. So, they cut a 400cc block because of the math, shoved a top end that would fit the 250's frame, threw a bunch of exotic metals because they were allowed to, and then the YZM400F was born. Finding a rider to race the YZM was going to be a different story. All the racers knew what four strokes were for and what they weren't. So they needed a rider who could transition, even if they were skeptical. In 1995, Doug Henry had come off of two amazing seasons and was right in the mix of things for the 95 Supercross season. Then, vying for the points lead at Bud's Creek, Henry launched off a step down and slammed the ground from 80 feet in the air. His back came undone, and his career was thought to be over. Henry's rapid recovery led Yamaha to give him a shot at racing. A few races into the 96 Supercross season, Henry returned and found his pace, and during the motocross season, his recovery culminated in a Moto2 victory at Washougal. This led to the famous sit-down. I remembered like it was yesterday. I went to Keith McCarty's house. I sat on his couch to discuss what we were going to do for the next year, and that's when he told me um, that Yamaha wanted me to ride the four-stroke. My heart kind of sank. I really struggled with what to do. January of 1997, word got out to the public that there was a four-stroke that was primed for the motocross season. As Henry started the 97 Supercross with solid finishes and a contender in the points, Yama had a solid racer and contender. At least until Houston, where he'd find himself breaking his hand and out of the points race. This would cement the decision to have Henry 
race the four-stroke. Development of the YZM400F had finished, and the bike had been handed off to Italian racer Andrea Bartolini to race the MXGP, where it would win the Italian GP against the gargantuan Husebergs and Husqvarna's, who looked like they needed to devour at least four Swedes before they were let out of the factory. This was just a warm-up, however. Yamaha knew the bike would do well in motocross. Other four-strokes approved that. It was in America, land of premix and tight tracks crammed into football stadiums, that needed to be convinced. And though they hadn't set out to do that, an opportunity reared its head. With Doug Henry's arm healed and a prototype bike that wouldn't burst into flames, Yamaha decided they wanted to see the bike in Las Vegas. The air buzzed with opinions on a four-stroke on a supercross track. Some excited, many negative, and some believed it was a conspiracy to one day turn all the bikes into four-strokes. As the 30-second board turned, a distinctive, throaty baritone soloed over the choir of two-strokes. Then, the gate dropped. Emig, who had been a master off the gate all year, just beat Henry for the whole shot. But, it would be the last corner of the first lap, where the YZM would shine. On a run after Emig, Henry would take the inside line of a tight corner with the finish line jump just a few feet coming out of it. The YZM would use its brute force to keep its momentum while Emig had perfectly railed the berm. This would lead to the two going into a flat left-hander side by side. Emig had the preferred line choice by the entire field going into the corner. But Henry moved on the inside and ripped in front of Emig in a way so convincing that it could have made a vegan eat a T-bone. Emig and Henry would battle a few more laps before Henry would sail away for the win. During the main, off the gate, Henry easily powered to the first corner, and from there, nobody had a chance. The spotlight wasn't shining on the introduction of the 400. It was just a side story to Emig ending McGrath's championship streak. Before the one night, the YZM 400 graced the sacred clay of Supercross. It did it in a way that made those few who lived the thumper life proud. It floated effortlessly through the track, ahead of the headline story. Then, just as fast as the YZM appeared, it was over. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Or so the overused, cringy cliche goes. Or the YZM 400 was sadly accurate. Henry would continue a motocross season on the bike, struggling to keep pace. And at Bud's Creek, Henry would case a step up and break both his arms which laid the YZM to rest in the United States. It wasn't just the States that the bike had fallen off pace. In Europe, after a strong early season, 
the enormous Swedish Huseberg had shown it was the dominant alpha four-stroke, with Belgian Joel Smets dominating the season. In June, the production YZ400 would be released, and the YZM would fade into the story of one race. A race that would pave a direction for bike development. A contentious clash of ideology, of searing loyalty to a status quo, and the destructive nature of man and machine. The journey to the modern gate of the 450s was attributed to that fateful day in Las Vegas. Eight years later, in the same dry desert night, a YZ250, highlighted by Chad Reed, would victoriously float sideways over the finish, propelled by that well-known fiery wine for the very last time. <laughs>